Friday lunchtime lectures at the Open Data Institute. Great. Uh, welcome, everyone. Uh, and thanks for joining us for today's ODI Friday's lunchtime lecture. Today's lecture is entitled Leveraging Data to Demonstrate Impact and will be delivered by Francois Lohid. Francis Lohid, apologies. Um, I'm Jonathan Wilson, and I will be uh, introducing Francis, and I'll be moderating the questions later, and I'm a consultant at the ODI. Before I hand over to Francis, just a brief introduction. Francis is a senior policy advisor for performance, for performance measurement and data analytics at the Canadian Forest Service Natural Resources Canada. Francis works with the seven programs of the CFS to support sector performance measurement, reporting, and the CFS data strategy. He's currently working on a data pilot, on data pilots in the area of cloud-based data lake systems, machine learning, and augmented intelligence systems to contribute to data-driven impact, and is leading a departmental project on promoting data culture, utilizing the ODI's data skills framework. Before I hand over to Francis, I'd just like to say a few housekeeping issues. Uh, I see everyone's already doing it, but just a reminder to please put yourselves on mute and turn your cameras off for the duration of the presentation. And then also, we'll be saving questions for the end when Francis is finished speaking. But if you anything comes to mind during the session, please feel free to put those in the chat and we'll go through those towards the end. Uh, one last thing to say, we have put up a poll. Um, it'll be great and easier for Francis if he knows where everyone is coming from. So you're welcome in the chat to put where you're joining in from. And also please fill in our poll just so we know if you, whether you're working in the public sector, the private sector, or the third or NGO sector. So uh, with that, Francis, I'll be handing over to you. Perfect, thank you very much. Let me just share my screen and we'll go to the deck. Um, can everyone see that? Jonathan, is that? Yes, that, that's looking good, Francis, thank you. Terrific, so uh, judging by the poll, we've got roughly two thirds from public sector and about another third from NGOs, or not quite a third, um, and a number of people from the private sector, which is great. Um, Thanks for the wonderful introduction. It's a pleasure to be with you all here on the Friday Luncheon series. Um, this is kind of like the TED Talks of data. Um, and so it's it's kind of a, a an interesting opportunity to share some of the work we're doing over here in Canada. Um, it's just eight o'clock here and I've got my cup of coffee and I thought I'd put up a little sunrise scene so you'd, you'd kind of get the feeling, you know, I, I'm just kind of waking up here, so. Looking forward to it and let's get started. So a little bit of background about the Canadian Forest Service to begin with. Um, the Canadian Forest Service is over 120 years old. Um, as you can imagine in Canada, forestry is a big deal economically, but has uh, increasingly become uh, a very big player in our response to climate change. Um, and we do a ton of research and a ton of work around um, the use of forest products, forest sustainability, um, contribution to GNG impacts, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so let's just get started. So we now live in an impact-driven world. Um, questions like, how are we making a difference? How does our work move the needle? How does our work today contribute to the impacts of tomorrow? And impact is relevant to public, private, and NGO sectors. Um, We've been talking a lot recently about things like the pandemic and climate change and, and other kinds of issues around the world. We do a lot of work at the Canadian Forest Service in wildfire 
um, and wildfire mitigation and management. Um, and so we're talking about how we, how the work that we do is reflected in the lives of everyday people, Canadians, Europeans, um, wherever we live. It, there's a whole idea now that we're doing more than just doing, doing things. Um, it has to have some kind of outcome. It has to have some kind of response that changes things in the way that we work and do. Um, this is becoming particularly important in the millennial um, kind of era with our employees who come, who are labeled as millennials. Um, there's a lot of work around now about their meaning for their work and what they're doing. The pandemic has led to what is being called the great resignation as people reassess what they do and how they do it and what's the impact that they're really being involved in. So the talk today is about how living in this impact world, impact-driven world, we can use data to measure our impact and to enhance and hopefully, hopefully promote a greater impact. So let's start with the why. Um, this is a little quote from uh, W. Edwards Deming, uh, the famous data scientist who started the total quality management movement. Um, without data, you're just another person with an opinion. I've worked in results-based measurement and performance measurement probably for about 25 years. Um, for the last 15 years, largely in federal government of Canada, working in performance measurement it, with a number of the science-based organizations, Health Canada, um, Natural Resources Canada, CFIA, Public Health Agency of Canada, et cetera. The one thing I've learned over literally dozens of engagements is that the better you are able to gather and use relevant data and analytics to support your performance story, the more successful you will be to attract appropriate resources to your initiative. I've also worked in the not-for-profit NGO sector. Um, I was, for three years, the strategic planning advisor for the St. Lawrence Seaway Management Corporation. They're the people who run all the locks that allow uh, ocean-going vessels to go from Montreal into the Great Lakes. Um, and it was the same story there. And the techniques that we're going to talk about today are as useful in the private and the NGO sector as they are in the public sector, because we're talking about how do we how do we talk about in impact? How do we have a conversation around our performance around impact? And the key element of this is that the better able you are to use data and analytics to support your performance story and give context to that performance story, the more successful you'll be able to attract appropriate resources. That's people, dollars, um, investment, um, proper regulatory control, new partnerships, et cetera, to your initiative. So that's the why. So what is impact? For me, impact is the ability to have an affect or, or effect on a particular state or domain. In results-based management, the concept of impact can be seen to be related to things like the mission and the vision. And it's, it's related to the goal or the expected result of a policy or service intervention. So when we design a program, or, or a policy, we expect certain things to happen from that intervention. When we launch a new product in the private sector, we're expecting certain things to happen because of that product launch. So impact is the correlation for the purposes of this discussion is the correlation between the expected results, the ultimate outcome as designed 
and what actually occurs. So impact is that is that differential between what we thought would happen and what actually did happen. So results-based management started about in the public sector, started about 20 years ago, uh, around about 2020, uh, sorry, 2000. There was a, a big move in governments around the world that we needed to start telling our performance story and move from beyond outputs to outcomes. So results-based measurement uses logic models to describe and articulate expected results from a policy service intervention and help create both the performance measurement case and the business case for resourcing. So results-based measurement is used um, extensively in Canada. We can't do anything in the federal government um, without having logic models and performance indicators all of our reports to Parliament are based on um, that performance uh, reporting system. Um, it's also used uh, in virtually all of our provinces in Canada. It's also extensively used in the United Kingdom, the USA, Australia, New Zealand, and the United Nations. So you'll see there's a little diagram of a logic model. So the logic model is used to define and we create indicators based on the logic model. So we take inputs, that's people, uh, money, regula regulations, data, and we transform those inputs through activities to create outputs. Um, we have a technical term for those outputs. We call it stuff. Um, and I'll explain stuff in a little bit more detail in a minute. But that, those are the things that we produce, usually tangible, although policy is also indicated, policy advice is, is included as an output. And they contribute to three orders of outcomes, immediate outcomes, which are the most direct uh, impacts uh, versus intermediate, which are more indirect, and the final or ultimate outcomes, which are the desired result of where we expect to be. When we first started working in RBM using this kind of logic model process, um, we ran into a number of data challenges and we end up uh, designing inappropriate, we want to design appropriate logic models with appropriate indicators. But what often happened is we chose inappropriate indicators because we have certain data that was available, um, it was inexpensive, and so we kind of we kind of fudged the system to create indicators that we could report on rather than finding appropriate indicators that would tell an authentic performance story, but the data is, is harder to source. So that was like 10, 15 years ago. In the last five years, things have changed dramatically. So what data-driven impact is all about is leveraging the strategic value of data to inform decisions and understand the contribution to outcomes and the performance story as a whole. We now have infinitely more data available to us, both in volume, in velocity, and in value. We also have tremendous advances in computer technology um, that allows us to do very advanced data analytics on the desktop to gain unique insights into our activities, support data-driven decisions, and contribute to better outcomes and higher levels of impact and promote better levels of impact. In other words, what we're talking about is big data meets performance measurement, which contributes to an enhanced impact. And so this, this can be very challenging for people um, because we have so much data 
and it's coming at us so fast. And we have so many different opportunities to access data that we need to find a way to screen it and filter it and figure out which data and which data sources and what is it that we are really trying um, to talk about. So let me share with you a way to do that. So I call this data-driven impact simplified. In the mid 2000s, around, uh, starting around 2004, but going on to about 2008, 2009, the Treasury Board Secretariat, um, this is in Canada, they are our major funding uh, source. So the budget comes from Treasury Board. They allocate funds to all the different departments and agencies and the programs within them. Initiated a project called BTEP, which stood for the Business Transformation Enablement Process. It was a very mature and very advanced organizational change management process. Um, one of the best that I've ever seen in my entire career. It was very complete, very comprehensive, um, and was an extraordinary piece of work. One of the models that came out of BTEP was something called the Government Strategic Reference Model, or GSRM. The official title was the Governments of Canada Strategic Reference Model. Um, I've just kind of taken out the Governments of Canada because actually anybody can use this. And I want to talk a little bit about GSRM because it becomes a unique and fabulous tool for simplifying this whole concept of data-driven impact. What GSRM did was it identified 19 core service delivery models for all of government, any government. This could be municipal, regional, provincial, federal. Didn't matter what country, didn't matter what culture, if you look at government writ large, there are only 19 ways that governments deliver services to their citizens and constituents. So you'll see here, there are five basic categories, the ability to supply capacity to act, to enhance capability and act, to act, facilitate and influence action, the regulation of action and um, core outputs around implemented changes and rules. So all of these, um, service output types, so units of resource, funds, new knowledge, et cetera, are critical to understanding how we do performance measurement within government. This is the kind of the, the secret sauce for understanding what we should measure and how we should measure. What GSRM did was they not only identified these 19 service delivery models, but they also identified the core performance indicators, performance measurement indicators for each of those 19 items. Um, this stuff has all been archived, but I've found a way to get uh, most of it back from my uh, historical archive files. So I put it up in a Google Drive. In the final slide, I'll provide some contact information. If you're interested in getting more information on this, contact me and I'll send you a link um, to the Google Drive where you can download some of the background information on this stuff. What this means is ideally, we could measure all of government activities with less than 100 indicators. So that would be an output, three outcome, and an efficiency indicator for each of the 19 is less than 100 indicators. Not probable. Um, programs like to have their own indicators, um, and they, they like to do things slightly differently because they believe that they're unique. Um, but this starts as the fund foundation and fundamental core of how we can leverage data and look at data-driven impact. The key to this is defining the right strategic delivery model. I had a consulting assignment a number of years ago um, with a government department in Ottawa, and 
their program was in great turmoil. Um, management was very upset with them and they wanted an evaluation done of the program to figure out how to improve it and how to make it more effective. In other words, how to contribute to impact. And that the core of the entire engagement was conflict over which service output type they actually were involved with. Now, you can have a program with a number of different uh, service output types, but typically there is one core strategic output type that you have to focus in, and that's where you measure your impact. Um, in their case, they were uh, some of the executives thought they were a regulatory program with interventions and penalties, and others thought they were an advisory and counter program, uh, only providing advice because they actually couldn't regulate and they couldn't enforce. And that conflict was at the foundation of their inability to be effective. So the key is defining the right strategic delivery model um, for what you do and how you do it. By the way, this does work in the private sector. The service output types are slightly different um, and have to be kind of coded to what it is that you do. But I was able to deliver this um, to the St. Lawrence Seaway Management Corporation by looking at different modes and different ways that they delivered services both internally and externally, and then building logic models on that and building their uh, indicator system and then putting it into the business intelligence system based on that. So this does work in private sector and it's very effective for NGOs as well, uh, particularly for fundraising. Um, I come from an arts background and worked in orchestra management at the beginning of my career and the ability to tell your performance story in the NGO sector and third sector is just as important. And these techniques work brilliantly in that sector as well. So let's, I'm gonna give you an example of the dominant one that we use at the Canadian Forest Service. And that's number three, new knowledge. So uh, talk to you a little bit about the logic model, the indicators and the data sources. So the definition of new knowledge is services and activities that conduct research and generate new knowledge. This comes directly from GSRM. The stuff that we produce, those outputs, include things like number of articles, data sets, guidelines, reports published and planned. So we basically take resources, dollars, researchers, um, data, regulatory frameworks. We transform those resources through activities to produce stuff like the articles, data sets, guidelines, et cetera. So then that contributes to three orders of outcome. And the fundamental model has to do with access, use, and behavior change. So the immediate outcome has to do around, is focused on stakeholder access. So our intended target markets, are they able to get downloads? Are they able to view it? Are they able to access the stuff that we produce? And the data that we use for that are things like website analytics, downloads from data repositories, et cetera. Um, we produce something at the Canadian Forest Service called the State of Canada's Forests. It's an annual report mandated by parliament. It typically comes out every single fall. We used to, we used to print 5,000 copies of that report and distribute them literally all over the world through Canadian embassies um, and individual subscribers, et cetera. Now it's all online. Um, you can access all of our data and it's totally revolutionized how we deliver that report because we can now use data and data analytics and we can analyze where it comes from, et cetera. Our intermediate outcome is around the use of those outputs. So our indicator for that is citation trends over time. Um, 
as well as altmetrics, things like blog posts, um, Twitter mentions, Facebook mentions. Um, for some reason, the state of Canada's forest report, we get a tremendous amount of activity on Twitter in Finland. Um, we produce that report and, and within a week of the report being released, we have all kinds of Twitter and blog posts coming from Scandinavia. Uh, it's, it's a very important uh, source of information, obviously, for the Scandinavians. We did not know that until we started measuring these kinds of altmetrics um, and tracking the trends over time. So our data sources are citation databases. Um, we've used Web of Science. We're currently using Scopus. Dimensions is another company from Europe that's doing amazing things in this space. Um, we also look at altmetrics, um, which is a great company based in London, um, and Plumex, which provides us with um, the trends around blog posts, Twitter mentions, Facebook mentions, etc. Our ultimate outcome, of course, is a behavior change. So if our stakeholders access our materials and we can see that they're using it, what happens over time in terms of the overall domain? Often the feedback we get on this is often anecdotal and it's qualitative measures versus quantitative measures. And the data sources for that are things like internal feedback, field reports, um, new papers that come out, news articles, um, different kinds of ways of measuring, at least getting a sense of where things are happening. Um, often sentiment analysis, um, and there's some new work being done in natural language processing, um, which gives us can also give us some hints around behavioral change. These are some of the things that we're looking at right now at the Canadian Forest Service. Um, there's also another indicator called an efficiency indicator. If, I, if you want, I can go back to the logic model, but efficiency is about how well we transform resources into outputs. And our typical efficiency indicator is cost per publication or mean time to produce a publication. And that's all based on internal tracking. What's interesting is that um, many of these indicators are outlined in GSRM, and we've adapted them for our own use within the CFS. So, so that's, how, that's kind of how we use that GSRM service output. And here's what we create out of it. So this is a dashboard that we created um, where we can measure and report on things like citations and citation analysis, where altmetrics are coming by country and different kinds of altmetric measures and what they do. Um, this was a case study and it's one that I wanna highlight because it really focuses in on the value of doing this kind of high level data analytics and finding insights in that data that help you understand and drive policy decisions and um, investment decisions and science decisions. Um, when we first got the data, we were using Web of Science data, and the data we were getting from them went back to 1982. So for fun, I filtered all the data from just to 1982 and all the publications we had done in 1982, and which was the publication with the highest number of citations. And the publication by far with the most, like three times the, the number of citations than any other publication from that year was called Calculating and Interpreting Forest Fire Intensities. So then I did a frequency analysis to see how many citations it had had every year since 1982. And the part that blew my mind was that 40% of the citations had happened in the last five years. Now this is, to me, this was such an incredible moment 
that helped us understand the impact and, and the opportunity we have in our data that we're not necessarily looking at with enough attention. What it told, what it told us is we made an investment 40 years ago and out of it came a paper with a methodology for calculating and interpreting forest fire intensities. We didn't know what was gonna happen with climate change. We had no idea that 35 years later, this could be a key component as wildfires started to emerge around the world as a major issue, Canada, Australia, Southern Europe, um, Africa. I mean, this. so we didn't know when we were investing in that paper, what that impact would be. Um, so th this is why I, what I'm saying to you is, is that there's an opportunity here to look at our data historically. There's an opportunity to look at our data in real time and have that influence the, the discussions and influence the decisions based on our mandate and what the impacts are that we are trying to uh, work on and generate. So some conclusions and next steps. I believe we now have a definitive process for implementing a data-driven impact service delivery. Um, we have access to much more data, much better data, and desktop tools like Tableau, Power BI, Alteryx, Nime, um, et cetera, where we can do very advanced, very mature kinds of analytics in a low-code or no-code environment. I have a, uh, I, I couldn't code my way out of a paper bag. And my goal in life is to get to the end of my life, never having written a line of code in my entire life. I love Tableau. Um, I love working with Nine. I can drag and drop and do all the analytical kinds of activities that I need to do um, and get some really cool stuff coming out of it. So we now have a methodology for defining the appropriate service delivery reference model if we use GSRM. We can then use the um, suggested indicators um, to define appropriate uh, key performance indicators and the associated strategic data related to those indicators. We can then define specific analytics um, using things like NIME and Tableau and other uh, kinds of coding uh, opportunities like that related to those indicators. We can access huge databases through cloud-based data sources and that contributes to measuring impact over time. And that can contribute to better policy outcomes through data-driven decisions and data-driven policy analysis. And that's basically it. It's your nickel questions and comments. Um, and those are kind of the, the ways you can contact me either via email um, or LinkedIn, or you can follow some of the work I'm doing um, on my blog, Data Driven Impact. And I just thought you'd like to see a little cartoon, give you a little bit of a smile. Um, are you sure this is how we upload data into the cloud? It isn't, but it's it's kind of a, a cute little anecdote there for you. Um, turn it back to you. Thanks very much. I'm just going to stop sharing. Fantastic. Thanks so much, Francis. That was really interesting to hear. Uh, like you said, now it's it's over to the audience. Do we have anyone? Who has any questions please feel free just to take yourself off mute and ask or um, if you'd prefer um, put them in the chat or add a, a hands up raise hand in the, in the reactions at the bottom uh, I, I have a question to, to kick us off francis um, while we wait for others but sure. um 
in your in your work and uh, where you're at at the moment, are they are you part of any sort of peer learning networks or ways of sharing what you're learning with others, whether that's um, other departments or international with other countries? Sure. Um, well, within Canada and particularly within um, the federal government and the provincial governments, we have a, something called PPX, the plan, uh, the Planning and Performance Measurement Exchange. They hold an annual conference every May where they invite speakers and different case studies around performance measurement. We have been very active in that, in providing um, speakers and and different kinds of activities. Um, in fact, my director is on the board of that, um, and he's actually looking at this presentation for um, proposing to be part of their May conference. Um, there are a number of um, Government of Canada working groups. I'm currently work on the working group for data skills. Um, we're developing a cross-government um, framework for data literacy and data skills, um, and we're contributing to that. Um, we also work intra-departmentally with all of our performance measurement specialists in each of the different sectors to share best practices and activities. So. Um, there is a very active uh, approach to this. Different governments and different regions in the world have adopted results-based management in slightly different fashions. I think Canada is recognized as a leader in this. Um, so we often get referenced in a number of different ways. When GSRM first came out, it was adopted all over the world um, and was talked about quite a bit as a, as a really key piece of information. It kind of fell by the wayside because of the data issue. Um, and that's one of the reasons why I want to bring it back because I think it's a fabulous tool and it simplifies performance measurement and it simplifies what we're reporting on and creating context. Um, it narrows the mind and narrows our focus um, and allows us then to leverage data that we now have in ways that we could not have done 10, 15 years ago. When I first started doing this at CFIA, we were using um, um, big, huge corporate business intelligence systems from Cognos. Um, and you had to code it and it, it was very difficult to change. Using Tableau, I can download a data set and start finding out information within, in a half an hour. I mean, that just blows me away. Um, we have done some data analytics. We've developed an executive dashboard for all of our senior executives at the Canadian Forestry Service. And we can update that in 20 minutes and provide them with insights um, virtually overnight. Um, so it's very, very powerful now. And we're seeing data as a strategic core, as a core strategic asset. We've actually estimated the value of our data at the CFS as being roughly somewhere around $181 million. We spend $30 million a year on data-related activities, and we spend roughly $12 to $13 million just searching for data on a day-by-day -day basis. And we're working to lower that number um, and to enhance the value of our data. Awesome. Thanks, Francis. That's very, very interesting to hear. Um, is there anyone from the audience who would like to ask a question? I can't believe I've been that abundantly clear. Either that or I've or else I've confused everybody. I think I think certainly the former. <laughs> I 
I'd be interested in hearing other people's experience in leveraging data and performance measurement. So I, I would be happy to have a conversation about that from um, other areas um, in the UK, um, Europe, wherever. I'm not sure where, where everybody's calling in from, but I, I'd be happy to hear about that. I have a question. Um, this is Anna from Portugal. Um, do you have any information or any anyone else about the use of such um, should an, such an approach by European governments, and it can be forest at the forest level, a forest authority level? Um, uh, um, actually, we do because the United Nations. We're part of the United Nations. Um, and it's in the Agricultural Secretariat located in Rome. And within that is a forestry group. And we provide information to them. And they actually are the, the um, key forum. Sorry, it's, it's not the European Union. I think that's the United Nations. There's a, there, there's a UN secretariat around forestry um, headquartered in Rome. I've had discussions with them. We've talked about some of the data work that we've been doing. Um, and they actually provide uh, worldwide data <clears throat> and access to that. Um, and there's a number of things that have come out of the European Union around forestry <coughs> that um, could very easily relate to this and to the kinds of work that we're doing in Canada and analogous to work that's being done elsewhere. Um, the Canadian Forest Service, for instance, we've developed a um, very high order algorithm for measuring GHG impacts in forests. Um, that was developed by the Pacific Forestry Center in Victoria. It's now being used by 14 countries around the world. Thanks. Anna. Sorry, I, I thought maybe Anna had a question. I, no, I think that was uh, Susanna who, who just asked the question there. Um, do we do we have anyone else who would like to ask a question? Um, I have a question. Hi, uh, this Hello. is Marcel calling in from Germany. Uh, first of all, th thank you, Francis. It was very interesting um, to watch and follow your presentation. Um, you were mentioning the United Nations a few times. Is there any idea from your side to kind of connect the impacts you're measuring to, uh, with the SDGs? Um, there is. We actually, are, are you talking about the sustainability goals? Am I yes. getting that right? Yes. Yes, we actually have to report on that. So we, um, there's actually a, a subunit within the branch that I work in that actually does all that UN reporting. Um, and we actually report on the sustainability goals we have to as a country. Um, that is generally, I believe, directed through Environment and Climate Change Canada, but we do report on the sustainability goals around forestry, and we have an entire program on sustainable forest practices. And if you actually go to the State of Canada's forest report, we actually have very high levels of sustainability um, forest practices across the country. We're trying to expand on that. We can always do better, um, of course. Um, but yes, we actually do report in on that. And there, there should be comparable statistics at the United Nations that you'd be able to find. Uh, you may also find it in the OECD as well. Okay, thank you. Does that help? 
Yes, thanks. Thanks, Marcel. Do we have any other questions from the audience? Um, I have a question. Great. Hello? Hi, Diane. Go ahead. <laughs> Thanks, Francis. Uh, I have a question about the, uh, obviously, people in the evaluation space, those who know performance measurement well, like yourself, are seeing the, the value and impact that, or the, 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 the benefits that um, all this access and wonderful data analytics tools can bring. What about culturally, um, for those that are purely in data analytics, how do you see them, um, you know, are they buying into performance measurement? Is there a gap there? Are, um, what, what would you recommend for those that are oh wanting to bring that, measurement? That, that's another whole presentation. Um, that's a great question. Thank you for that. Um, I think we need to separate out we have a number of people who are really, really expert at the data analytics and really get into the data. And the challenge is that translation into what are the performance measurement requirements and what are the business requirements and how, what's, what's the most appropriate kind of data we need and how do we leverage that data in the most appropriate way. What I've been trying to show today, Diane, is that if you start with GSRM and then work your way backwards, you can actually then go to the data analysts and the data scientists and say, here's the kind of, here are the indicators we want. Where do we go to get that data? What's, what kinds of analytic opportunities do we have and what kind of insights can we get? Um, and I think that that kind of leverage, it brings both, it brings both domains together to reinforce each other and help each other. Um, and that's called data translation. If you go to the ODI data skills, um, there's, a, there's an area on their data skills map where, where they are talking about insights. Um, and I think that's where we're really trying to target. How are we getting, gaining the insights from our data that help us inform our decisions and guide our policy in appropriate fashions? And then how, how can we use that to properly measure what we're doing and how we're doing it? Thanks very much. Yes, thank you. Thanks, Diane. Are there any uh, further questions from the audience? Well, I'd like to say thank you to everybody for taking the time to uh, listen to me. It's been really wonderful to be here. I'm really impressed with the number of people. And Jonathan, thanks to ODI for the invitation. And if there's... Uh, any other questions or anything, please get in touch with me. I put my contacts in the chat. Um, feel free to, to um, send out something and I'd be happy to share anything, uh, particularly with colleagues in Europe. Um, I can also put you in touch with the folks here at CFS who do that kind of work. Um, and there may be opportunities for other kinds of dialogue and interchange, which is always helpful. Have a great day, everyone. Great, thanks so much, Francis. And thanks for being here. And uh, for anyone who joined in late or Wants to have Francis's talk on hand, this will be uploaded to YouTube. Um, so you'll have access to it there. So thanks everyone for, for joining and thank you once again, Francis. You've been listening to a Friday lunchtime lecture brought to you by the Open Data Institute.